Good morning, church. It is um, it is a gift from God to be able to assemble to worship Him in song and praise. To be able to even just say His name is a gift. And so let us remember all that God has done for us especially this good and perfect gift of worship. Let us worship God together this morning with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We welcome you, both members and visitors alike. We thank you for your attendance. Let us please go together to God in a word of prayer. Our great God and magnificent Heavenly Father, hallowed be your blessed and amazing name. And we praise you and we love you and we thank you so very much for the opportunity to worship you this morning. We pray, Lord God, that our worship will and has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight. We pray, Lord God, as we um, think of Jesus, that we might honor you in all that we think, that our our minds will be cleared of worldly thoughts and that we'll focus only on you. Remember that amazing sacrifice that has been made in our behalf. These things we ask and pray and thank you for in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ to be thy will. Amen. We're going to the book of Haggai this morning, focusing again on Jesus in every book of of the Bible. We're specifically dealing with just the Old Testament, that Jesus was ever present. And we want to get Jesus in our minds. We want to keep Jesus at the forefront of our minds. We want to recognize the greatness of of our God, the greatness of the Savior, Jesus Christ. So Haggai chapter 1. Haggai and Zechariah are contemporaries in the work of God, and they speak to a people of God after the Babylonian captivity. They prophesied about the same time, and they were leaders of God's people. So Haggai 1, beginning at verse 7, the Bible says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple, that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. Through God, Haggai and Zechariah moved the people to obey and to rebuild the temple. Turn to Ezra, please, chapter chapter 6. So, as they're working for the Lord and, and encouraging the people of God to do the work of God, Ezra tells us in chapter 6, beginning at verse 13. Then Tataniah, the governor of the province beyond the river, Shethar Bozani, and their colleagues carried out the decree with all diligence, just as King Darius had sent. And the elders of the Jews were successful in building through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edo. And they finished building according to the command of God, the God of Israel, and the decree of Cyrus, Darius, Artaxerxes, king of Persia. And this temple was completed on the third day of the month Adar, and it was the sixth year of the reign of king Darius. The rebuilding, chapter 1 of Ezra, please, of the temple takes place once the Jews 
have been released from Babylonian captivity. So Jeremiah tells us that they would be there for 70 years. They were there for 70 years. And now they've been released to go back and do the work of God. In chapter 1 of Ezra, the Bible says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever there is among you, of all this people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, and which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And every survivor, in whatever place he may live, let the men of that place support him with silver and gold, with goods and cattle, together with free will, a free will offering for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. So through this decree, which came from the king, the Jews went back. Some of them. But then they were negligent in completing the work of God. In fact, they spent time in this place. They, they went through some, some um, obstacles, if you will, and there was a little bit of struggle in the work of God. But they went off and built their own houses with the very money that was given to them from Cyrus instead of spending it on building the temple of God. You think God was happy with that? Obviously, absolutely not. So Haggai said, consider your ways. Right. Haggai chapter, chapter 1, please, and, and verse 8. God was calling them to account through Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, wondering why in the world these people have not done the work in which I've commanded them. Go up, verse 8. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. They had not gone up to do God's work. Oh, they went up to the mountains and got the wood, but that was for their houses. So often, unfortunately, amongst the Lord's people, the work of God is neglected for our own selfish reasons. Verse 12 of Haggai chapter 1. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheetiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the priest, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God has sent him. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. So you see what was missing, right? There was no reverence. They had no respect for God. They had no appreciation for God. But finally the prophets come along and preach to them and proclaim the message. And finally they get that reverence in their hearts in service to the Lord. And in verse 13 the Bible says, Then Haggai the messenger of the Lord spoke to, by the commissioners of the Lord to the people saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel the son of Sheatil, governor of Judah, the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, 
the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. The people finally found obedience in their hearts. And in chapter 2 and, and verse 9, Haggai says something that is so impressive, he's taken us to a whole nother level. And I want to get to that level here in just a moment. He's taken us from the spiritual temple, or the physical temple rather, that they could see the temple in which they built, the temple in which they were negligent in building and doing the work of God to a spiritual temple that would never be destroyed. He carries us from the physical to the spiritual. And so I want you to go back on your own time and read the book of Haggai and Zechariah and, and go back and read about the temple being built in Ezra and Nehemiah, if you so choose. Because if you get the physical, you'll truly get the spiritual. How does God feel about his church? It really doesn't matter how we feel about the church. Oftentimes we complain about the Lord's church. I want to show you how God sees the church of Christ. Haggai 2 and verse 9. We're moving from the physical to the spiritual. He says, the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I shall give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Glory? Let's jump over to the New Testament and we'll, we'll jump, we'll go backwards and forwards and I want you to get it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I know we understand that, that we are not perfect as a people, but I want you to see what God has done in his mind in the building of his church. I want you to see what God sees. I want us to understand what God wants us to understand. So the temple, the physical temple, was constructed. And the people cried. The people who rebuilt the walls, they, they were just looking at God's great building. It wasn't quite like Solomon's temple. But here's the rebuilding of the temple that was torn down from the plagues of war because of their wickedness and evil. And now finally it's constructed a place of worship. This building is not a place of worship. It is a place where we worship, right? But that was a place of worship, a place where God would, would show up in the Holy of Holies and, and the priests would go in, they would offer sacrifices, and once a year, the sacrifice for the whole nation. But there's something better, better than the presence of God on earth, moving from the physical to the spiritual glory. Verse 7 says, But of this ministry of death, that's the Old Testament, in letters engraved on stones came with glory, so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face fading as it was. How shall the ministry of the Spirit fail to be in even more with glory? That's the New Testament. For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness 
abound in glory. For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory on account of the glory that surpasses it. Now that's amazing, right? The Old Testament was a glorious and is a glorious book of God's writings and literature and instruction for the people and salvation of how to come to Jesus. And he says, if you want to compare the New Testament to the Old Testament, the New Testament removes all the glory that was ever seen in the, New Test- in the Old Testament. He says, if that old law had glory, when you compare it to the new law, it's like that old law had no glory at all. Because the greatness and the surpassing power of Jesus Christ and the message proclaimed through the gospel that he gave to us. In verse 11 he says, For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. You say, but preacher, that, that's, that's not the church. Well, of course it's speaking of the church, for that is the New Testament. Let me give you more of that in just a moment. Turn back again to Haggai. Haggai chapter, chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2. And if you go with me in Haggai, I want to look at, beginning at, at verse 6. Verse 6, and we're going to conclude this idea of this glory. Listen to what it says. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more in a little while I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also and the dry land. And I will shake all the nations, and they will come with the wealth of all the nations. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. So understand that we're talking about the Old Testament. We're talking about the temple. And God says, I'm going to fill it with glory. And yet when Jesus comes along, he says, you know the glory that was back there? It doesn't even compare to the glory that we find in Jesus Christ. I mean, God's trying to move us from the physical over to the spiritual. Again, he says in verse 6, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more in a little while I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and also the dry land. And I will shake all the nations, and they will come with the wealth of all the nations. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I shall give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Hmm. Are you moving yet? Turn to John chapter 2. Jesus refers back to this glory or to this house or to this temple and he says something to the Jews and the Jews are astonished listening to the fulfillment of the glory where is that glory going to be that's more glorious than the temple what could be greater than the temple verse 18 of John chapter 2 the Jews therefore answered and said to him what sign do you show us seeing that you do these things. And Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. What, what temple? This physical edifice, this building that has glory, you destroy this temple like it once was, and I'll rebuild it in three days. But here's something that he was speaking of that's different from the physical structure. 
beginning in verse 19. Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews therefore said, It took 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this, and they believed the scripture, and the word which Jesus had spoken. Can you imagine? Go back to Haggai. Can you imagine the explanation and the understanding now that you have when Jesus says, I'm talking about the temple that was destroyed. You, you, you don't understand the power that Jesus brings if you can't get out of the physical. If we can get into the spiritual, then we'll understand the power of Jesus and the greatness of our God. Haggai chapter 2, Zerubbabel, the faithful descendant of David who, who leads the people in the restoring of the temple, look, is the fulfillment of the prophecy and a descendant of Jesus Christ. And so God is going right back to this temple and saying, I want you to remember where you came from. I want you to get the physical so that you can move on to the spiritual. We reduce the power of Satan. We reduce the power of Rome. You reduce the power of your struggle when you understand the spirituality of God and the greatness of God and his plan. And you recognize that God's plan has never, ever, ever failed. Ever. And then as you grow in your spiritual walk of faith, you can say the same thing about your own life. God has never, ever, ever failed you. God has never, ever, ever let you down. God has never, ever, ever forsaken his people. But we have forsaken him. The greatness of the message of Haggai moves us from the physical on to the spiritual. Chapter 2, please, verse 23. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, my servant, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. You know how sometimes you go back and you read Chronicles, the first nine chapters. Some of you may say, I've never read that. And you read all the numbering of the people, and you're going, okay, I get it, Lord. And then you jump over to Matthew chapter 1, and, and you read those first few verses. And you know, it's easy to skip over those first few verses, right? Because it just deals with the genealogy of Jesus Christ. But when you're moving from the physical to the spiritual, you recognize the necessity of reading the genealogy of the people of God. For Zerubbabel and Shealtiel, listen, once the ancestors of Christ, this is a foreshadowing of Christ and his faithful zeal to build the house of God. This is what the Bible is trying to relate to us. Listen to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 12. And after the deportation to Babylon, 
To Jeconiah was born Shealtiel, and to Shealtiel, Zerubbabel. You got to go back. You got to go back to the building of the temple to get those names and to understand the power that God brings to us. To understand the zeal that they had in constructing the ark, or temple rather, and building the work of God. Jesus, John, John chapter 2. Jesus wants us to understand that the zeal that he possessed is the fulfillment of what you read about in the book of Ezra and Zechariah. And you go back and you read in the Old Testament other books. You'll find the amazing work of God. Listen to what happened in John chapter 2 and verse 13. And the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers seated. And he made a scourge of cords and drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who were selling doves, he said, Take these things away and stop making my father's house a house of merchandise. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for thy house will consume me. Everything that Jesus did, if you go back and you read the Old Testament and you really get a good understanding, a good foundation, you'll recognize that everything that Jesus did was calculated. Calculated and perfect. And every message that you receive in the New Testament has its greater foundation in the Old Testament. Turn to Hebrews, please. Chapter, chapter 3. The greater glory of the new temple over the old temple was foreshadowing of the greater glory of the house of Jesus Christ over the mosaical dispensation of time. The greatness of Jesus. The greatness of our God. Listen to the comparison. When you go back to the old, and we, we carry it on into the new, when we go back to the physical, and we carry it to the spiritual, listen to the greatness of the glory that God speaks of. Verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, Partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, by just as much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of the hope firm until the end. You see, Moses was in God's house Jesus is over his house, through his house, around his house, and in the house. 
of whose house we are in. God's kingdom. You, you, you've got to go back to the old. Back to Haggai, please. Again, you have to go back to the old to understand the message that God wants us to get in the new, to give us the confidence that we're supposed to have, the trusting faith that we're supposed to have. You can see God over and over and over again working with his people in the Old Testament all to bring us to Jesus. And sadly enough, some of us still aren't there yet. You got to get there, church. You have to get there. Because I'm telling you, I know Christians, and maybe some of you are here today, who've never read the old book, who've never read the Old Testament, who've never read the whole Bible through and through. You've got to go back there to get there in order to get here, to be with Jesus, to understand the depth of your Christian faith, to help you to become more faithful to God, to recognize and understand the calculation that God placed into every word, every tittle, every jot, every dot of the eye is purposed by God. You got to go back to the old to understand that every time Jesus spoke, he spoke in perfection. And the New Testament has come to us in perfection the temple that was built in the physical brings us to perfection. The church of Christ is perfect. That's what God says. doesn't matter how we think about it or how we feel about it. It is perfect because everything God has ever done has always forever been calculated by God. Not by man. Not by me. Not by you. And you know what's amazing? God doesn't even need us. It's perfect without us. Thank you, God. Do you want to get on the journey with Jesus? Do, do you want to be a part of God's perfect plan? Let God give you an incentive. Listen to what he says in Haggai chapter 2 and verse 20. Then the word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. And I will overthrow the thrones of kingdoms and destroy the power of the kingdoms of the nations. And I will overthrow the chariots and the riders and the horses and their riders will go down. Everyone by the sword of another. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, my servant, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I, will, or I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. God says, I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken. But there is something that exists on this earth today and has for almost 2,000 years, not only never been shaken, but can never be shaken. Hebrews, please, chapter, chapter 12. Again, Haggai is moving us from the physical onto the spiritual. In verse 25 of Hebrews chapter 12, see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. 
For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less shall we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. And this expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken, as of created things, in order that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, listen to this, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer sacrifice to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. There is something that will not and cannot be shaken. And that's the church. See, it doesn't matter what we think about the church. God has made this perfect. 1 Corinthians, please, chapter 6. And it cannot be shaken because of God. So God created things that could be shaken. And he created things that could not be shaken. How's your faith? How's your faith? How's your faith in, in Jesus? How's your faith? Have you moved yet from the physical to the spiritual? Are you still stuck in the physical? Have you grown in your walk of faith? Or you're stagnant in your walk of faith? How does God see his church? How do you see his church? What has God done for his kingdom, for his church? What have you done? What are you doing? The church that God spoke of, the temple, it's not this building, it's the people of God within the building. You, how do you feel and understand your relationship with God in relation to what he has established in you? How are you treating that temple? How are you living your life? How much of your life is enclosed or enveloped in Jesus? How much of your life have you rendered to God? How much gratitude do you have for what God has done for you? Verse 18 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, please. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? Do you recognize that when, when a person surrenders to Jesus, and they hear his word, and they believe, and they have godly sorrow on their heart, 
and they confess his name before men. And they're baptized, immersed in water, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of their sins. Something amazing happens. The Holy Spirit is now in you. God with us. God is now in you. My question to you this morning is, where have you been taking Jesus? Where are you going to take Jesus? What are you doing with his temple? From the physical to the spiritual. And in closing thought, is a question. Do you recognize this? Verse 20. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. You are not your own. If you're a child of God and you, you want to rededicate your life, there's a great opportunity to do so. If you're not a child of God, and you want to surrender to Jesus, here's a great day to do so. The latter glory will be greater. And brethren, we're in the latter glory of God. Wow. That's amazing. The lesson is yours. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song.